Hello, Shalom, Salam, and Ola. Welcome to the Hot Jewish Podcast. I'm Michael, aka Hot Jewish Energy. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Hot Jewish Energy, at Hot Jewish Podcast, and at Michael T. Valdez with an S at the end. And you can follow my newer account at Hot Jewish Short King. Yay! Hi, welcome back. Today is such a nice day. This is my little dear diary entry. Um, we're going to call it that, my dear diary entry. Um, weather's beautiful today. I'm actually going to go out for a run after I finish filming. And I'm going to go see my dad for a little bit. And then I'm going to go to the gym and lift some weights. And then tonight I'm going out to dinner, a little Thursday night dinner, which has kind of become like a little tradition. I usually go with my aunt and my mom, but... I don't know if my aunt's going to come tonight, so we will see about that. But when I'm filming this right now, today is May 11th. I had to check the date for a second because I'm losing track of days. But today is May 11th, 2023, and I think it... I know it's this is going to premiere later on and the situation is going to probably be completely different, but I think... It's really important to mention this now, especially that we're filming this episode today. Israel is under attack. It, I think from what I read in one of the articles, this is one of the most, I don't know what word I could use for this, the heaviest attacks that they've ever received. We're going to go with heaviest. If there's a better word, let me know. But they have been bombarded with hundreds of rockets from Gaza and it's not fair. It really isn't. And I think that the biggest thing that we can take away from all of this is that intention matters. Gaza, Palestinian state, Hamas, Jihad, their intention for sending these rockets is to kill the most people. They want to kill innocent people. They are not targeting any specific person who has done them wrong. They are targeting random things. They're throwing rockets up in the air, hoping that the most people get killed. Israel, on the other hand, they are making the most effort that they can to only neutralize terrorists, people who have caused harm, people who have made it clear that they only want to cause trouble and harm to innocent people. And unfortunately, there has been collateral damage when they've been targeting these terrorists. And that is very, very unfortunate. No one should ever justify the death of innocent people. And I, the really disgusting thing that I've been seeing is that all these anti-Zionists have been justifying the death of innocent Israelis and all these rockets coming into Israel saying that these terrorists are freedom fighters. That's disrespectful and disgusting. So get off your high horse and stop justifying terrorism. This is blatant terrorism. Israel is not practicing in terrorism or promoting terrorism. They are trying their best to save the most lives that they can. And unfortunately, there is collateral damage in that. And that is so not, it's not great. It's it's never great to see innocent people being killed at the expense of trying to save the most lives. But 
you know what this I'm going to end off with this and then we're going to get into the episode because I have someone who's going to completely flip the mood now, but we should really be thinking about what is going on in the minds of these jihad terrorists because for them to really think, Oh, I'm going to house my family right next to me while I'm a prime target for in Israel. That's selfish. They are selfish, evil people, and they are willing to put their family in danger for whatever cause, martyr, death, whatever bullshit they believe in. They're willing to put their innocent children and their wives and their mothers, sisters, whatever, any innocent person on the line for their belief. That is ridiculous. That is selfish. That is a violation of human rights. I'm going to leave it at that. You can take what you want from that. We're going to lighten the mood a little bit because I think we really need to lighten the mood because it's such a dark time right now. And this per- this this next person that I'm bringing on my guest today, she she really has taken that dark shit and made it into comedy. She is trending right now on all social media platforms. She pretty much became a viral night overnight sensation. She went viral. Her TikTok's at over, I think, 200,000 followers. Her Instagram is, I think, at 80,000 followers. I saw it jump from 10 to 80 within a matter of three months. It's, and I'm so proud of her. She really, she's really killing it. Her name, I'm sure you can kind of guess who it is, maybe, but I'm going to just say it because I'm so excited to have her on today. And it's really, it's a, it's an honor having her on. Her name is Julia A. You guys might know her on social media as Queen Julia. She's the one who's replying to her followers or her haters, her haters comments on her posts and coming up with these witty comebacks and making all of this, these serious matters and just poking fun at it and making it that it's bearable. I think that's really, really cool because that's something I'm trying to do on my page. But anywho, we're going to have Julia on today coming up next after this short break. You're watching the Hot Jewish Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here with Queen Julia, as you might know her from TikTok and Instagram. I'm just going to be referring to her as Julia throughout this whole interview. But hi, welcome. Hello. I'm very excited to be here, guys. This is my first podcast, so I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) It's going to be a good hour. I feel honored to be your first podcast, to be stripping you away of the podcast virginity. (laughs) I know. You should feel flattered. (laughs) This is is a big deal, okay? So my podcast virginity, I was holding on to this, so... (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to get it over with. Rip the band-aid off. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I think you were following me first and then I reshared. It was that, oh my gosh, I think it was the, t- I remember this vividly. It was the TikTok of you talking about, oh, thousands of years in the desert, persecuted, persecuted. What do you think keep people fed? And then you, I think that was the I'm one. Like, I'm like, these bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. That, that video was hilarious. Um, yeah, no comment, <laughs> no comment other than just like, I, I stand by what I said. And you, me- you messaged me, you were like, wait, I like your account. And I was like, girl, I like your account too. Let's, let's yeah, be you, were, you, you were like, it was something about like, 
there was somebody holding a poster and it was like, if you're a hot Jew, repost this or something like that. And I was like, yes, I'm like, that's me. So yes, I will repost this. But yeah. Well, I'm glad that we got in touch and I'm just, uh, like I, I told everyone before you came on, really, really happy to have you here, especially since a lot of people are just getting to know you as a creator because you already had that TikTok following, but now that you've gotten onto Instagram, you've you found a whole new audience, which is really, really, it's really, really, really cool because a lot of yeah. people have problem translating between platforms. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. I've been on TikTok now for about two years and only started posting on Instagram consistently maybe two months ago. So it's kind of crazy how quickly things on Instagram progressed. I really mm-hmm. wish that I did it sooner, but I'm also happy to have done it now because I have a lot more time to focus on social media so I can put in like all my effort. But yeah, I, I love the fact that I've reached a new audience on Instagram. It's kind of crazy. I thought everybody who was on Instagram would also be on TikTok, but that's clearly not the case because it's like a bunch of new people. So it's really cool. I'm very happy about it. A lot of, it's interesting you say that because a lot of the Jewish creators, they actually really migrated off of TikTok because it's just been, it's been really, really tough as a Jewish creator on that platform. Yeah, it's definitely hard. You need to be very careful with what you say. I'll say, I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be tough for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I think I, this is actually going to be interesting to get into this, but I was looking at your Q&A today on Instagram and someone said, why are you Canadian? <laughs> people are angry about it. I don't understand why people are like Canadian phobic. I got it though because I, I live in Montreal, which is like French. And so people have like a personal vendetta against French people, though I don't identify, like I'm Anglophone. I, my French isn't even that good. So people have like a vendetta against Quebec. But in Canada, like, against Canada in general, like, y'all wanted to move here, like, four years ago. <laughs> so I'm just like, why all of a sudden are we against Canada? I saw every time something was wrong in the U.S., everyone's scurrying over to Canada trying to Google how to immigrate here. So why are you jealous? You know, you can't hate outside the club if you can't even get in. But, yeah, mm-hmm. some people just don't. Like, it's, like, kind of a joke that I'm Canadian because I'm, like, that character from South Park. I don't even watch South Park. but I, I don't either. I don't know. I'm trying to get into it. I just haven't been able to yet. But there's a Canadian Jewish character like on South Park, and everyone says I remind them of that character. Hopefully, people listening will know who I'm talking about because I don't. Is it Linda? No, no. If that's Kyle's mom, they also say I remind them of her, unfortunately. But it's like a kid, it's somebody's brother. I can't remember. It's like the adopted brother from Canada. But yeah. Why is everybody saying you look like men? I don't get it. <laughs> like you're you're pretty. You're really your list is just so big. And I think at its core, it's because people cannot differentiate ethnic features. I think that is it. Because they see me with like bushy eyebrows and my glasses, and they're like, you look like all of these people. But I also see it. Like that's the worst part, like the Ben Stein thing. I see it. I'm like, I'm not about, I'm not here trying to completely deny it. I'm like, okay, this claim has some validity, but no, my whole TikTok started and people on Instagram don't even know this because I've never reposted this content on Instagram, but it started from people saying that I look like Abby Shapiro, who's Ben Shapiro's sister. Like that's kind of how it started. Mm -hmm. So I find it funny that now it's like, it's ventured completely past that. It's just all of these random men that I look like now, but I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it. So I mean, at least they're good looking Jewish men. Like it could be worse. It could be it, worse. 
Like, Eugene Levy, you know, he's a good-looking guy. I'm not mad about it. There's definitely worse people. If people, I, I mean, I don't, sometimes when you get the responses, I'm, like, trying to figure out, are they being serious or are they being sarcastic? Like, because online there's no tones, so I can't really tell if these people are being really mean or they're just trying to be funny. It's like half and half, I'd say. I would say, generally speaking, people on TikTok are nicer than on Instagram. Like, 100%. At least for my page, I've noticed that. So whenever somebody comments something on TikTok, I'm like, you're just poking fun at me most of the time. But on Instagram, I'm like, you mean what you're saying. <laughs> you mean this. So it really depends on the person. I'd say it varies. Now, get, kind of getting back into Canada, what was it like growing up in Canada as in Montreal as a Jew in a very french area what what was it like for you yeah so it's actually interesting so i was born in montreal but then i moved my family moved to the gta which is like near toronto it's like toronto suburbia when i was 11 so most of the time where i grew up it was actually in ontario or in an area where there were no jewish people at all i'd say in terms of montreal because obviously i moved back here i went to mcgill and i moved back here to go to university and then have stayed since um it's a very like old school Jewish community. It's very different from how it works in the US, I find. It's it's a lot more conservative um, and much more um, insulated, I would say, than in the US. And Toronto is the same, but Montreal specifically is like very old school. While I feel like I would probably, there are obviously liberal communities. It's just not as common as it is in like New York, let's say. But growing up, I didn't even experience any of that because I grew up in, like, the Ontario suburbs where there were zero Jewish people. Growing up, I had one Jewish friend. That was it. Taya, if you're listening to this, shout out Taya. That was the only Jewish friend I had growing up until I was, like, an adult. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. How was it when you were in school growing up, going to school? Did you find it challenging socially-wise, climate-wise? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on what facet, like overall, I enjoyed middle school, high school, like I I had a good time overall. But being Jewish at my high school specifically sucked. (laughs) Like, There's no better way to put it. And growing up, I've kind of realized that this is a universal experience. If you are um, a Jewish person in a non Jewish area, this seems to be very common. But I was literally bullied just for being Jewish. Like that was the only reason why. Um, not by everyone, but by this, like, one group of guys who just, like, hated me for being Jewish. Like, that was literally the only reason. Honestly, awful. And I think at the time, I didn't even realize how bad it was because I kind of just was, le- like, learned, like, my coping mechanism was to just take everything as a joke. Growing up, I just always interpreted it as a joke when it wasn't. Like, it was just people being awful. So now when I'm older, I'm like, that was not great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they literally, when I was in grade 10, maybe... I got nicknamed Anne Frank, like fully nicknamed Anne Frank. I would just be walking down the hallway. People would be like, hey, Anne, like, that's what it was. There was one specific, I have this memory. Um, again, I'm like 15, 16 years old of somebody throwing coins like on the ground and being like, hey, Julia, go pick those up. Go pick those up, you Jew. Like people would say stuff like that. And nobody saw it as a problem. That's what's really interesting about it is that I say, generally speaking, my high school was pretty progressive. But on this specific subject, nobody cared. Nobody cared because they didn't see, like, anti-Semitism as, like, an actual problem. I think they just interpreted it as, like, oh, like, well, Jewish people are white and are rich. Therefore, like, they can't actually be discriminated against. And I think that's how 
it was seen and obviously now that we're older i talk about this with my friends and obviously everyone looks at it very differently now but at the time everyone kind of got away with it because that's just how jewish people were seen i can't get over the anne frank thing why like it's crazy they thought it was funny they thought it, they just thought it was funny that was it like they i don't know it was crazy. there was also like such a strong anti-israel sentiment that was honestly worse and at the time growing up i honestly and i'm kind of embarrassed to say it but i'll admit it I did not want anything to do with Israel really growing up because I just saw it as like, if I say anything pro-Israel, I'm going to get absolutely berated for it. And so growing up, I really was just like, I'm not ready to think about that yet. Which like, obviously now as an adult, I'm like, that's kind of sad that I felt that way. But it was just purely a product of my environment. That I'm, I'm going to admit it too. I Everybody knows on my page that I'm very, very Zionist. When I initially started the page... I was getting berated with so many comments on it was one video that I made. I was really, really upset. I was crying and it went viral overnight. But then most of the comments were from anti-Zionist, very anti-Israel people. And it made me think the problem that's happening now with anti-Semitism, do we need to separate it from Israel? And I was in that like weird space of that. I really don't know. I don't know how to go about this. Finally, I came to my senses and I was like, absolutely not. We're going to embrace the Zionism fully because we need to. But a lot of people can relate with you on that. I can relate with you on that. It's that sense of like separating multiple parts of your identity when really it's just all in one. Yeah. That makes sense. It's definitely been a learning experience for me. If you were to tell me five years ago the way I feel about Israel now, I'd probably be shocked, to be honest, because I was just so detached from it because I thought I had to be and even just in university it was a learning it was a learning thing anybody who knows me in real life like can see it it was very obvious but yeah it's really hard to say anything public about Israel at all has well I'm gonna ask this first have you ever been to Israel at all yeah I went to Israel for the first time last summer for three months I did birthright and then I did onward and it was, it was great. I loved it. I had a really good time. I had a very good time on Onward specifically. I love my group. If for people who don't know what Onward is, it's like a two-month internship program um, that you go um, to with people from your university. So there's people from McGill and Concordia there, which are like two big universities in Montreal. We all lived in an apartment together, the 15 of us. And I'm still really close friends with a couple of the people on that trip. It was awesome. Just every day was like, so much fun just hanging out with everybody. I would totally recommend doing Onward if anybody's interested in it. I'm about to go on birthright end of June. I've been to Israel before, but especially with the situation now, like I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried. Yeah, it's definitely kind of scary to go now. Last year, there really wasn't anything like, I mean, I shouldn't say there wasn't anything because there's always stuff going on, but it, it wasn't too bad last year when I went. But now it's definitely like a different story. Um, but I feel like there's always something going on, you know, so specifically this time of year, I've noticed that every May or June shit goes down. And yeah. Well, it's because of like Israel independence. Yeah. And, like, that's, that's why I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it's always, it is always in May that there is something. So yeah, that's when I know a lot of creators would say May, 2021 was a turning point for everyone. Yeah. It really made me rethink honestly, a lot of how I felt about Israel after that point I feel like my perspective on it really changed and I became a lot more pro-Israel after that because I feel like even leading up to then I was really still like kind of learning and trying to like figure out my feelings towards it and I think after that 
I was like, you know, like, I want to go to Israel. Like, I want to be a part of this community. Like, I want to, like, be there. And then after I went, I was like, yeah, like, I really do understand when people say that when they go to Israel, they feel like they go home in a sense. Like, I really did feel that when I went, which, again, was not something that I necessarily thought I would experience. But I, I really did. So now I'm very, like, but it it is complicated so it is really especially being online being such a public person you you get bombarded with so many messages and it's really hard to kind of not take it to heart have there been moments where in any capacity whether it's israel whether it's people making comments about you your appearance what you believe in what you what you say have there been times where you it's kind of hard not to take it personally. Yeah. At the beginning, it was really hard. I think over time, this is the one thing I tell everyone who thinks that you want to get into social media. The one thing is that you need to have thick skin. You need to be able to read all that and to not feel anything. Cause as soon as you do, it's really hard to move past that, I think. And I think it's a learning thing. Cause obviously when you see it the first time, it's gonna, it's gonna sting, it's gonna hurt you. But when you see it for like the 1000th time, it's like the same thing over and over again. It just holds less weight. And now I see things and I'm totally desensitized, to be honest. I just expect it, which is awful. And I wish it wasn't like that. If, you, if you're publicly anything online, people who are publicly Christian and publicly Muslim as well, like I think if you're a part of any group, I mean, obviously it's going to be different for Jewish people because we are such a minority. But if you talk about religion at all online, even for me, it's more of like I identify with it more as like an ethnicity. But mm-hmm. in any sense, you're going to get people who disagree with you. But with Judaism, it's so multifaceted that, yeah, there's a lot of people who are very angry online about it, are very anti-Semitic in a lot of different ways. It's like not even just anti-Zionism. It's fully like Holocaust denial. And I was like, how can people even be saying this? Like, I was so in shock. I think a lot of people were shocked, too, because they see a lot of neo-Nazism or white supremacy coming from white presenting people. But then when they saw it coming from someone of color... I feel like it was kind of undermined in a way because people aren't used to seeing that anti-Semitism is not immune to any ethnicity, any skin tone. It's just, it's everywhere, no matter who you are. But yeah, I totally, I totally see what you mean. People are just, they're so used to like the watered down version of anti-Semitism as anti-Zionism. And then when they see it full on, they kind of just, they kind of just laugh and because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. There's no, like, to me, I look at all this stuff and like, obviously deep down when I think about it, it makes me sad. But my initial reaction at this point is to laugh because I'm like, this is so absurd. I cannot believe this is a real person behind this typing this out. Every time I read that, I'm like, this is a real person. This isn't a bot. This isn't a a fake person. Like, this is real. And it's crazy that you believe this. But I also do think it is a vocal minority who is very loud. It's not everybody. I have to remind myself this. It's not everybody who believes it. Social media does just vocalize this like angry group of people a lot of the time a lot of people do do, they don't realize that they're just seeing like a small portion but then they don't realize that there's a whole other world out there of people that love you and that support you and that want you to succeed and want to see you be happy which it's kind of it's it's a little hard in in the world we're in now to realize that but i'm glad that you're able to realize that so on the subject of that, you you went into how high school was a little tough for you. And did that aggression translate over when you left high school and went to McG- McGill? So at McGill, it was very different. The way So I honestly experienced anti-Semitism a lot worse in high school than I did at McGill personally. 
But at an administrative level, McGill had a lot of issues that probably affected the wider student body a lot more. Because obviously in high school, it's much smaller. It was really only me who was getting affected. But at McGill, if you were to ask the average McGill student that's Jewish, like, was there anti-Semitism on campus? Most people would probably argue yes. It's just wrapped in like a nicer box. Like nobody at a school like McGill, which is, again, if no if people listening don't know what McGill is, it's a school in Canada. It's a very good school. And um, nobody at McGill is going to come up to you and be like, the Holocaust didn't happen. And nobody's going to go up to you at McGill and call you Anne Frank. At least I hope not. But I highly doubt that's going to happen at a school like McGill. But um, there was definitely a lot of anti-Zionism going on at McGill. I'm not necessarily opposed to like individual people believing that. I'm like, believe what you want. This is a like, you know, if, if you want to have like a certain club or whatever, like fine. I, my personal problem with how it was at McGill is that our student association, it's called SMU, it basically our student government was very pro-Palestine and actually um, was trying to push a lot of pro-Palestine anti-Israel policies within the student government, which I personally didn't feel like it was their really area to be managing this and I know a lot of other McGill students felt the same way that it's like why does the student government feel the need to focus on this when they don't focus on any other issue of this level and it's just also like student government should be focusing on things related to the school like you know like actually related to the school not like these global issues and there's a couple cases that came up one case specifically where while I was at McGill they actually tried to pass pass like a full referendum to divest from anything Israel related at all. And they wanted the student body to vote on it. And so what basically ended up happening is that a lot of the Jewish students freaked out because if you divest from anything Israel related, any Jewish club, something like Hillel, for example, which you know has events that aren't inherently Israel related, it's still funded by Zionist organizations. So everything is gonna get struck down if this were to actually like pass. They got the student body to vote on it. And it technically, this just goes to show how bad our student government was or just how little people actually cared about it. They got, I think, about 70% of the vote to say yes, to like completely divest from any Israel-related like, you know, funding or club. But only, I think, like less than 20% of the actual student body voted. So that's like nothing. So anyway, the school ended up witnessing all of this and it was a huge deal, but basically decided that they were like, no, like we can't put this through, like this is anti-Semitic. And then they came back and were like, the only reason you're saying this is because you're backed by like Zionist donors and try to spin it that way. So there's been a lot of issues on and off in relation to the student government trying to push like very pro-Palestine policies, which again, if there's like a pro-Palestine club on campus, I have nothing against that. Like go ahead and and have that club have events for like Palestinian students, like go do all that. I just don't think it's something that the actual student government like should be involved in really. I think they should be like, you know, just neutral. You can have whatever opinion you want. You could have whatever view you want as long as you're not impeding or harming anyone else. That's just, that's the problem. You can have these clubs, but just don't get Jewish students involved in it if they don't want to be involved in it. It's like the constant thing of Jews are always dragged into everything even when we're just sitting there and doing nothing we're dragged into an argument about israel versus palestine when there's no indication on on our end that we even want to be a part of that conversation at that moment yeah 100 percent. i would say a lot of jewish mcgill students probably felt that way that they were getting dragged into things that they they, like didn't want to be dragged into they just want to go to like shabbat dinner at hillel and they were dragged into all of this when they 
didn't want to be. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for sure. I think a lot of universities probably have this issue. A lot of places in the States have that issue. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm just, Um, I'm kind of shocked that it's happening in Canada too. Oh yeah. There's been a lot of issues in where I'm not going to go into depth about any, like about all of them, but if you literally Google it, like you'll see there's like thing after thing of very similar instances, like of this happening. And overall I'd say McGill is also a very liberal school that probably like adds to it, but it's overall very like pro Palestine, anti-Israel, which is upsetting because I, I think you could be pro-Israel and pro-Palestine, but I just think at McGill generally, if you say that, people are going to disagree with you. It's black and white. There's no nuance, which is a lot of the problem in a lot of politics, a lot of laws. There's like people want it to be all or nothing, but really it's more, there's more to it than that. Yeah, for sure. While you were at school, did you, were you involved in a lot of Jewish activities, advocacy, involvement in the culture, in the ethnicity slash religion? I became a lot more involved towards the end. I did also go to school during the pandemic and kind of everything shut down during the pandemic. Like the clubs weren't really working the same way. And like, I didn't really want to be involved in something that was only going to be online. So that had like a big thing to do with that. So I didn't really do any of the actual, like, I wasn't fully, like, in Hillel or anything like that, but I always, like, went to the events, especially in my, like, last year, like, I always went, and, like, I had a lot of friends that were, like, on the board and stuff. One of my good friends is, like, currently the president of Hillel, so I was I was definitely intertwined in that way, but I didn't officially join anything, and I kind of regret it, honestly. Looking back, I wish I did. I just felt, like, honestly, like, I blame the pandemic partially on it. Like, I think if maybe that hadn't happened, then, like, by my third year, I would have done it. But I just felt like, oh, like, I don't want to do it if it's only going to be online. And then I just ended up not doing it because I'm like, I don't want to join for the first time in my, like, last year or my last semester. Um, But yeah, definitely, I think part of it had to do with me just not feeling proud to be Jewish in, like, my first year at McGill that I I didn't want to do Hillel because I'm like, I feel like I'm, like, the wrong type of Jewish person to be here. Like, I don't think I'm cut out for Hillel. But towards, at the end, I was like, oh, like, I wish I did it. Like, I think I would have liked it. Obviously, now that kind of completely flipped, thankfully. I mean, now you're very vocal and you're very, you can see it in your posts and in your account that you are very, very proud and you're very unapologetically Jewish. When was that turning point for you? It's weird. It's weird. Because I was always, it was never something that I was actually fully like ashamed of or embarrassed by. I think to say that I was embarrassed to be Jewish is a bad way to phrase it and not entirely true. Um, But I only became actually proud to be Jewish like fully within the past like two years, two and a half years, three years, probably like right before I started TikTok. They both kind of go hand in hand. Because really, I think the more I started posting on TikTok, the more I genuinely felt that. They like mm-hmm. they definitely went together, which I'm very happy about. So yeah. How, how has your family been? How, how have they reacted with this like new level of fame that you've had, especially in the last year? How have they felt about it? Has it been, do you get, do you get recognized on the street? Do you get... Oh my God. I want to hear this. I actually have experienced that like a lot. It's kind of crazy. Um, so first off, my family is like very supportive of it. People always ask that, especially cause I like, make a lot of like jokesy stuff and I'm reacting to like people yeah. saying like crude things about me that they're like, do your parents watch this? But well, my parents do watch it. 
and they, t- they think it's funny. So yeah, like they really, like I send my mom a lot of my stuff before it goes out and like, I have a lot of family on my social media too. So everyone's aware of it. Everyone sees it. They like it. Uh, yeah. And in terms of like the being recognized in public, um, I have quite a bit. It happens at least once every couple of weeks, to be honest. Um, it's, it's been pretty reoccurrent for at least the past like year and a half. Um, when I was in Israel, it was actually crazy. It happened all the time in Israel, which I did not expect because I actually have like, I have like a decent size, like of my followers from Israel, but generally speaking, like it's not like it's a huge chunk. So I was really surprised, but I remember being at Tel Aviv pride, which makes sense that like people would recognize me there. But it happened two or three different times where different people came up to me and they're like, wait, like I know you from TikTok or whatever. And they like wanted a photo. And I'm like, this is crazy. Especially at that point, like I didn't have that many followers. And even now, like it's not like I have like a million followers. And I'm like, this is still kind of crazy for it to be happening. But yeah, people have always been very nice. If they, if I see somebody in public, they've always been super sweet. So yeah, it's very cool. How has that made you feel as like for what you're doing, how you're holding yourself as a person when people do recognize you and recognize the great work that you're doing online how does it make you feel it makes me feel good because sometimes I look at what I do and I don't always consider it great work I'm like what even is this like some of the times when I post I'm like what is this like I feel like it's like not even good or I'm like like what image am I putting out like I hope people can kind of see what I'm actually like through these videos um and when people come up to me in public and they're really nice I like it is really flattering and it's like okay like there are nice people who follow me and it's it's like a rewarding feeling for sure. Like I, I definitely like it. It seems like it hasn't been overwhelming for you. It, you've definitely you've managed to not, because sometimes when you do get to this level of like, I, I don't want to say fame, but like when you're, when you've gone viral and things kind of are happening very quickly, you hold yourself very well. Like, have you been overwhelmed at times? Because I don't really see it. At the very beginning I was mm-hmm. for sure two years ago yeah because this level of like it's not even people being mean let's like mean is not the way to describe it people being gross and people being like super anti-semitic those two things when i first started i was not expecting that and i think that is something that a lot of content creators don't necessarily have to deal with like if you're a girl who does makeup and people make fun of you because they don't like the way your makeup looks yeah, that might be hurtful, but it's not the same as somebody being like really misogynistic and gross or anti-Semitic and gross, you know? So I think at the very beginning, it was really hard. And I took a big break from social media after that. Actually, this is a story. I had a public Minecraft server about two years ago and somebody hacked into my server within it being, with it being up for about three days. So the server was up for about three days Somebody hacked it. I had maybe like 50K on TikTok. I did not have like a big following really. And basically what happened when you entered the server is that as soon as you would enter, you would instantly die. And when you would die, the words death to all Jews and burn the Jews would pop up on the screen. And that scared me for sure. Because I was like, I'd only been on social media for a couple months at that point. And I'm like, how did my Minecraft server just get hate crimes when I have like 50K on this app? Like that's crazy. And I think after that, it wasn't immediately, like over time, like that first few months, I got nervous and I was like, I don't really think I like this. Like, this is really weird. It's a lot of attention and people are really hateful on the internet. So it definitely caught me off guard. 
And then over time, um, I took like a big break from posting all last year. I kind of like did it like very sporadically, but it wasn't my job or anything. So I was like, I'll just post when I feel like it. And then in September of this year, I was like, I want to do this again, like fully. And I already know what it's like. Like I know what it's like for people to be mean and gross. Like I'm used to it. Like I can deal with this. And so now I'm very used to it and it doesn't bother me anymore. But yeah, at the very beginning, for sure, I was bothered by it. I think it's very hard not to be. That's, I think that's a great, I, I don't want to say lesson because it's not a lesson. It's a, it's great insight because I know a lot of people watching or listening have, have had that problem of like, it gets really, really tough sometimes. And like you're, you're pretty, you're pretty much saying it just takes time. It takes yeah. time and a lot of learning. You need to accept it that like, this is what it is. And if you don't like it and you're not comfortable with it, that's a fine thing to admit. You don't need to do social media. But if you're going to do it, I think there needs to be some type of acknowledgement that like, unfortunately, you're going to come across this. And so it's like, okay, well, can I deal with this? If I can, how am I going to deal with this? But yeah, I'm not going to act like it's super easy. It's not. And it's definitely not for everybody. And it is a learning thing. So I'm just saying this for people who like, maybe want to get into social media that like, it's not like, always at the start, like there is some taking getting used to things. Um, but generally speaking, I like what I do now and I'm unbothered by people being rude most of the time. I'm just like, whatever. But yeah, it's it's a con of the job. You know, every job has pros and cons. That's how I look at it. It's, this is just a con. Yeah. And you've definitely taken that unbotheredness that you have now, which is great. It takes such willpower to have that. You've made that a lot of your content. And I just... <laughs> When I see a video from you, I'm like, oh my God, what is she going to say now? Because I just, I always love hearing what you have to say because you're very witty. You're very, you're to the point, you're direct. I'm trying to take notes from you because it's just, you rarely see that. You rarely see very smart content online. You can be funny, but are you smart and funny? That's, that's my whole thing. You have to be hot smart funny and jewish and you meet all, you meet all of the criteria it's a hard job okay it's a lot to be all the time it's a lot of pressure all right it it i'm being serious it really is being so confident in what you're posting and how you're putting yourself out there online how have you developed your content over the last two years has it changed have you really kept it to what it is now or it's kind of gone through phases of what it has become now yeah there's definitely been a few phases that's why i i always say that like it takes a while to know i mean for some people they do something and it just works and they stick with that i think for me there was a general like i know what i like but i need to like fiddle with this a little bit and so that's kind of went on i'd say at the very beginning um, I definitely was more of like an e-girl. I'll put it that way. I put it in quotations because I was never a real e-girl. But I considered the e-girl route because I thought that's kind of what you had to be if you're going to be on the internet. And um, I did not like it. It was not for me. I, I'm not an e-girl. I don't. I like video games, but I'm not like a gamer. Like I was like, what am I doing? And like, I didn't really like, like, I feel like I kind of had to like dumb down a lot of my stuff. And I'm like, this is not me. So after kind of going through that a little bit, I was like, eh, like this isn't my thing. Um, I always did the thing where I read out comments, but I didn't really react to comments as much. And so that was kind of like a bit of a shift, but yeah, that only came a bit later. So I went through e-girl phase kind of, um, 
then kind of a bit more just like normal like I always the Jewish stuff like that was always a big part of my content for sure it was more just how that was delivered has changed but yeah even the Jewish stuff I never went on social media and planned to do that it just kind of happened and Mm. it happened and like I liked that it happened and I'm like okay like I can stick with this like this works like I enjoy this and um yeah so that's always been a consistent but yeah somewhere in the middle I kind of try to do more formal educational content because I do think that educational content is really important, but I sometimes think the delivery on social media definitely um, can impact its reach in a negative way because most people don't want to sit down on TikTok and watch like a minute long educational video. Like most people just don't want to see that. Um, Some creators do a really good job of it. Like I, I love Raven. If you follow her on TikTok or Instagram, like I love her. She does, she's black and Jewish and does a lot of really good content that's educational about that. So for some creators, it worked. But for me, I was like, I don't think this is really working. And I don't like love this either. I felt like it wasn't like a really like a good match. And this was like kind of the defining moment for me was I made a video about Kanye and explaining why I thought Kanye West comments were bad and like harmful to the Jewish community and whatever. And that got like 10k views on TikTok, which is like, fine, but it's not great. It's not a viral video. And I was like, kind of frustrated by it. I'm like, oh, like, I wish I could like, people could see this video because this is important. And then I made another video. And this is actually on my second account on TikTok. It was of me stepping out of the shower. And it was captioned, I'm like fully clothed, my Jewish self stepping out of a hot, steamy shower. And then it's just like another shot of me like looking angry. And it's just like Kanye at the top, like Kanye, like supposedly reacting to that. That got like 4 million views. And I was shocked. And it kind of made me rethink it. I'm like, the same overall point is being delivered. The point of what Kanye West is saying is bad. That at its very like basic has remained the same. One has 10,000 views and the other has 4 million. And maybe one of them looks a little bit worse than the other, but which is going to reach more people and deliver essentially the same point. And I think at that, I kind of was like, I want to start doing funny stuff. I think that's going to reach the most people. That's kind of what I've stuck with. And I think it works because I do really value comedy. And I think in my actual self, like in my real life, like that is one of the central things about me. I like making jokes. I'm a very jokesy person. I just think translating that on social media can sometimes be hard, but that's what I enjoy doing now. And even the reaction to comments, like that's part of it is like, I get to speak and I feel like I could like be funny or if I want to be funny or whatever, but yeah. So it's been like this now for the past like few months of reacting to comments and I really enjoy it. I think I'm in a good rhythm and I, I like what I do now. Does it take a while to film those videos or I do it once and I'm done and I, and I got it. I hardly ever film anything only once. I usually will have a couple of drafts of the exact same thing. Because oh, wow. I think in comedy, delivery really matters. And it's not even necessarily what you say, but how you say it. But yeah, it doesn't, the actual idea, like sometimes stuff will just pop into my head and I'm like, this took like 10 minutes. And sometimes it'll be a while. And I'll have to sit down and be like, okay, like what am I going to do this week? Has it been tough keeping that creative flow? Over the past few months, no. I feel like I have gotten a really good rhythm. But before, yes. But before it was different because now this is like social media is my full-time job. So it matters a lot more versus before, like let's say even like a a year ago, for instance, it didn't really matter. So I didn't care that much. But ever since I started, you know, this being my full-time job and putting like all my energy into it, I feel like I've gotten like a pretty good rhythm. It's just hard sometimes to gather like what crosses the line 
because I never want to put out something that's actually offensive. And so that's sometimes where I will like be, I'll send it to my friends and I'm like, what do you think about this? And does this work? Because a lot of my ideas sometimes I'm like, I like this. I think this is funny, but like, is somebody else going to think it's funny? And so that's sometimes something that I'm still trying to like, you know, grapple. But overall, I'd say the cre- the flow is, is pretty good. Um, the reaction to comments makes it easy because a lot of my content is just based on what other people say. So it's always new stuff. It's like, well, what are people saying this week? Like, there's always something new. So it makes it a lot easier. That you look like the Mona Lisa. <laughs> or Ursula. Yeah. <laughs> Ursula was a loss of a compliment, but fine. <laughs> but yeah, in that yeah. part of it makes it easier. I remember you telling me that the whole embodiment of your whole account and what you're posting and how you're presenting yourself is to make Judaism look cool. Do you think that you are achieving that? I think so. I think most of the time. Part of it started with like, again, growing up, I was like made fun of for how I look too, for looking like so stereotypically Jewish. And I think even within like the Jewish community still, that's still something that can be looked at as like a negative thing. Women are told like, okay, my hair is straight now, but like women are told that they need to straighten their hair if it's curly or get a nose job. Like these are still things and ideas that are very prevalent in the Jewish community. For a lot of people, they feel that way. And so I kind of like the fact that I go online and like Judaism is such a big part of my content and I embrace my nose or my hair or these things that we see as as bad we see these as things that we need to change and I'm like no like I don't want to change it again I whatever I straighten my hair but like a lot of days it's curly but you get what I mean like I like that part of it and I know it seems like a very simple thing but if you're told time and time and time again like oh your nose is big your nose is big you should get a nose job or you know you need to have your hair like this or you need to look like this your eyebrows are too bushy or these things and it's made to sound bad that does wear you down and so I like the fact that I'm like no like this is how I look and I'm not I'm not going to change that. That's one part of it, which again, doesn't apply to everyone because Jews look different. Like one of my friends has like long straight hair. You get it. But another thing too is like, I just think that there's a lot of people like me growing up where they felt like embarrassed of their culture or ethnicity or like for whatever reason. And so that's part of why like I've made it such a big part of my content now because I don't think people should feel that way, you know, ever. And I think a lot of the like Jewish influencers, I don't know if I'd call myself like a Jewish influencer specifically to say, but a lot of the ones that do focus a lot on Judaism are religious and are Orthodox. And that's fine. But I also think there needs to be more variety for people who are like secular or are religious, but not Orthodox. And so I like mm-hmm. the fact that I feel like I cater more to that. People need people who look like them or who act like them as well. The other thing is that for Jewish people who don't feel Jewish, it's very interesting in the diaspora what draws people to Judaism if they are Jewish or part Jewish, etc. And if you look at it, the Holocaust is like the one thing that kind of unifies all Jewish people. Like even if you don't, you know, do Shabbat, even if you don't, you know, celebrate all the holidays, that's the one thing that like will unify a lot of Jewish people, which is kind of sad, but it like, you know, that's what it is. People have you know, asked me recently, like, why do you make jokes about the Holocaust? Like, why do you joke about it? And I do think that it reaches Jewish people who aren't really affiliated, as well as that I think it's important to laugh about stuff that like, you know, might not seem like we're allowed to laugh at it. Like, I think humor is a coping mechanism. And it's okay to joke about, you know, trauma amongst this community. Like, I think that is an important thing for um, community building. So 
Yeah, people tend to look at that sometimes. And I think generally speaking, majority of people know where I'm coming from and know that I'm not making these videos to like hurt Jewish people. But I just want to say that, that like I do think being able to joke about these things in a way that's hopefully respectful is, I think, important. And it gets, it kind of goes back to that you trying to find that fine line of whether something is okay to post or maybe you got to hold off on it, maybe rethink it a little bit. It's, it's a really tough thing for a lot of creators and a lot of, even in our everyday lives, even in other professions as Jewish people, finding that fine line of whether can I talk about this or can I not talk about it? And I've, I've encountered that a lot of times too. I have a lot of Orthodox people that follow me and I talk about kosher cock all the time <laughs> and everybody is just like, or kosher, or kosher and they're like, stop. like you're fetishizing Judaism. I hate when people say that. Like, I understand there's definitely people who do that, but I also think you're allowed to joke about this and it just be like, yeah, I'm a hot Jewish person. That's not fetishizing anything, you know? Like that to me, I'm just like, we, we should be allowed to be able to say that and it not be looked at in like a negative way. Yeah. I thankfully a lot of people have been like, yes, kosher cock only, kosher coochie only, <laughs> always and forever, which is the I don't know. I I've kind of taken your lead in being a little bit more random because I think being ran being random is just naturally how we are as people. Sometimes and a lot of the time it doesn't work being so like scheduled on paper, on teleprompter, that kind of stuff. It just people can see that it's not natural. Yeah. People love authenticity. I think the thing is too is that after like years of seriousness and even with the Jewish community, there's bad things happening all the time. That's just the reality of it. There's always going to be another anti-Semitic attack, which is like really upsetting, but that is what it is. So it's kind of like, how do we make light of this? Like, how do we learn to like survive as a community and not feel depressed about everything all the time? I think that also is really important. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you brought up that point. And I hope everyone who's listening or watching takes that point with them and does what, what they will with it because we just, we need to laugh. <laughs> we, uh, if the moral of this whole episode is you, we just need to laugh sometimes, even if it's really dark shit, you need to just chuckle a little bit, make a few jokes, then move on, but also take the time to honor what it is and make sure that we're educating ourselves on it and also joking about it too. Everything, all realms of it is important. Now that you found, like we said before, you found this new audience on Instagram and your TikTok account is growing and you've been partnering with partnering with a lot of cool people and a lot of really great accounts. What are the next steps for you? Do you have anything exciting planned? Can you give us a little sneak peek of anything? Yeah, so I'm totally not sure of anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm already privileged enough for this to be my full-time job, which I'm like very grateful and happy about because it lets me be able to take the time to like make videos every day and meet new people to make videos with. So I really appreciate it. So I'm kind of just want to do this for as long as I can. Um, keep posting on Instagram. I've been trying to post on YouTube shorts, man, but it's so hard. The engagement is not the same. It's, it's been a little bit and it's been tough, but yeah, maybe like longer form YouTube videos I've been considering. Um, I've also been considering moving because in Montreal, I mean, I do like living in Montreal, but for this, it's not great because nobody lives here, you know, like to make videos with. 
So I'm like, if this is my full-time job, I should probably move somewhere where there's more, more people. So I've been considering moving to New York. So obviously I'm, I know you're happy about that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a U.S. citizen though, so I can only live there for like a few months, but I've been thinking about it because like in September, my lease here will end. So I've been thinking about that. Hopefully would love to make that happen. But yeah, otherwise just keep doing what I'm doing, I guess. And like hope that it reaches more people and hope that people like my stuff. Um, Cause yeah, as long as people like it, I'm going to keep doing it hopefully. So that's really exciting to hear the most exciting being that you may be coming to New York because I'm really hopefully excited. hopefully <laughs> like, I really like to so I'm gonna try to make it happen yeah and we'll definitely I definitely want to get a bagel with you oh not a cookie monster bagel no people ugh, that video makes me angry for people who don't know I mean this is my video with old Jewish men was of me ordering a a raisin bagel with cookie monster cream cheese which is like this disgusting dyed blue cream cheese okay and the main guy dave he's like the old guy comes up to me and starts yelling at me and i yell at him back and we planned that skit we planned it like two days in advance and nobody in the comment section like could recognize this was clearly a planned skit and just thought that i was like a terrible person yelling at this old man and i'm like how do you not know that this is a skit and it just made me angry i'm like this is so obvious to me but anyways, so yeah, for everyone listening, that was a planned skit. I'm not yelling to old men in bagel shops. I'm not this criminal, but yeah. Well, we're definitely going to get you a good bagel here in New York or Long Island. If you no, come we need to Long it. Island. I love Long Island. I love Long Island. <laughs> I know that's a weird dream. I joke about it with my friends and I'd love to move to Long Island. Oh, Long Island is where I, I love Long Island. It's where it's at. I'm really happy that you came on today. I'm really happy that you were able to give people a look into who you are outside of the page because I think you have so much to give. You really do. And you're giving a lot. And it really means a lot, especially to other Jewish creators, that there are people and accounts like you online who are making light of really difficult things. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we could do this. This was fun. <laughs> so I'm glad. I hope everyone listening has liked this and learned a little mm-hmm. bit more about me. Where can everyone find you? Oh, yeah. So my handle on pretty much everything is Queen Julia. But the queen is a V instead of a U. Because the U was taken, unfortunately. So it's like Queen Julia. It's, it's a... <laughs> Interesting username. It's not my favorite, but I feel like it's too late to change it now. But yeah, Queen Queen Julia on on TikTok and then on Instagram with an extra A at the end. Well, this has been another episode of the Hot Jewish Podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening at home or wherever you are. You can find me at Hot Jewish Energy, at Hot Jewish Podcast, and Michael T. Valdez with an S at the end on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That is it for this episode. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you, Julia, for being here. Please stay safe. Am Yisrael Chai. Lots of love and safety to everyone. Have a great day, night, wherever you are, and I'll see you later. Bye.